I'm Mike Simmons, and this is the Yearbook Wise Podcast. Well, we're just back from the National High School Journalism Convention in Washington, D.C. Another huge shout out to Megan Percival and Aaron Harris, Alan Weintraut, Sue Gill, the rest of the local committee. Uh, And to a hat tip to everyone at JEA, Kelly Glasscock, their executive director, President Sarah Nichols, the entire board, and Laura Widmer in the National Scholastic Press Association crew. The JEA staff, NSPA, and the local committee really put on a tremendous convention for over 6,000 attendees. It was a delight to be there with 21 of my own kids from Tesserae. It was great to see so many old friends, whether for a quick hi and hello in the lobby or a longer sit-down chat. I thrive on those opportunities at the conventions to reconnect, recharge. You know, so often we are the only ones in our schools that know what we do, understand our, our kids, our ways and means, our production schedules, the, the resources that we have, the things that we struggle with. So to be there at a national convention and have some time just to, uh, just to reconnect, it's really, really meaningful. I hope that we'll be seeing more of you at CSPA in March uh, at the Spring Conference uh, and Convention and uh, also in Nashville uh, where we've got yet another uh, National High School Journalism Convention, the, uh, the April version Uh, coming up in 2020. In this episode, we'll feature the audio of a presentation I did with my dear friend, Jed Palmer. He is the advisor of the award-winning Eagle Eye View at Sierra Middle School. Uh, Jed works with well over 90 middle school students uh, across journalism programs uh, at Sierra. Uh, He is uh, just an awesome photo instructor, an awesome guy, a dear friend, And uh, this Hot Topics in Photography uh, presentation that we've been doing for the last couple of years stems from all of those conversations that we have in the hallway at conventions, camps, and workshops when people say, you know, we've got $800, what lens should we buy? Or um, how can I do better portrait photography? Or how do I get my kids to think about light? Or all sorts of things. As Jed likes to say, it's it's all the conversations that we have in the hallways plus all of the conversations we should be having in the hallways. So we'll get right into it. Here's Hot Topics in Photography from my friend Jed Palmer and me at the National High School Journalism Convention. And they closed the door on us. That means we're ready to go. Now you're stuck here with us. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. My name is Mike Simmons. I teach uh, advise yearbook, uh, teach photojournalism, graphic design at Corning Painted Post High School in upstate New York, about five and a half hours some way. Um, I'm going to get home at about one o'clock this morning uh, on a big yellow school bus, so that's going to be fun. Uh, and welcome, Jed. My name is Jed Palmer. I'm the journalism advisor at Sierra Middle School in Parker, Colorado. We're just south of Denver. I do yearbook, uh, newspaper, online news broadcasting, literary magazine, and run a staff of about 180 middle schoolers every year. So, and I didn't bring any of them for this one. Good <laughs> make, make good choices. Right. <laughs> so we, um, we, we've taken to calling ourselves two bald guys with cameras. They're not readily in evidence this morning, but Jed and I have been teaching together for about the past five years. And this session comes from the, uh, hey, can I talk to you a second in the hallway? 
we have uh, $800, what should we buy? Or, hey, can you look at our portrait work that we're trying to include in the yearbook interrupters this year? Really what it is, is not necessarily hot topics like this is trending in 2019. This is uh, both a good, a good baseline, but also a good push, a good reach for stuff that we get asked all the time. Every convention, every camp we go to, we're always answering the same questions. Um, I think we're, we're going to start with equipment and get somewhere, but we're going to buzz through this fairly quickly so that we can address hopefully some of your questions. Um, those of you in the back, please be attentive to our friends from JEA from Kansas State. They're trying to make sure that we can all get out of here in case of a fire. I think that's what we're doing. Um, and while they're adjusting, I want to make a plug too, uh, and I make no money from this, but I host, uh, because I'm a super nerd for yearbook, I host the Yearbook Wise podcast. Uh, and we're actually recording this session to turn it into a podcast episode. Um, check it out. It's at YearbookWise on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I think without yearbook, that. Yearbook, W-H-Y-S. Yes. YearbookWise. Yeah. Oh, we go. hit 30,000 listens uh, last month. So it's been a good, thank you. It's been a good project. Appreciate that. Um, so first things first, this is the topic my wife uh, hates because um, it involves money. Uh, and there's just no getting around it. Uh, this is the, the conversation we have is like, hey, honey, I, I need a new lens or um, I need a new reflector, or some new lights or something like that. And she's like, is it a need or is it a want? Um, and I get to write a lot of it off, actually, because yeah. this is my job. So that's convenient. But the first thing we want to talk about is my parents, Kathy and Al Simmons. When I was in college, uh, I started getting interested in photography. They got me a gift my junior year of college. It was a Canon, I think it was called the Rebel at the time, yeah. but it used this thing called film. Yeah. This was back in 1998, which was last century before Snapface and all the other stuff. And because my parents got me that camera back in 98, my school is a Canon school. But Jed and I are asked all the time, Jed, what, what should I get? Should I get Canon? Or I've heard Nikon is better. Like Nikon has a newer camera. And the real answer is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm a Canon school as well because uh, 18 years ago when I was building up a yearbook program and they gave me $800 to get started, uh, Canon was on sale. And so that's what we bought. Um, Canon, Nikon, uh, if you're going mirrorless now and you're into the Sonys and the Olympus and whatever, there's great cameras out there. And they started uh, really reasonable prices on up to as much as you want to spend. But what we will always tell people is keep it in the family once you have started into one system stay in that system uh, as a school uh, when we're making purchases i started us into canon 18 years ago now that we've expanded through my journalism program plus a digital design program uh, we've got probably close to 50 bodies running around our building every single one of them is canon because everything is interchangeable Okay? We don't want to be out investing in some, you know, a great sports lens, but it only fits on half of our cameras. So whatever you choose to go with, stick with that. And we find with the photographers with which we work, uh, and it's no offense, no cuts on any of you students in the room. Uh, how many of you is this your first year in photography on a publication staff or anything else? First years? Awesome. Welcome to the tribe. Welcome to the family. And certainly no disrespect to you at all. But when you're trying to like remember your ISO from your elbow and what white balance and how do I do this and AI, like the last thing we need you worrying about is trying to jam on a Nikon lens on a Canon body and making it work. 
Which is to say, that's a very, very bad thing. They're not meant to go together, and if you actually manage to get one stuck on there, you've just damaged two pieces of equipment. What we're saying is, you know, if you're running and gunning at the sidelines of a soccer game or at a, a, a performance dress rehearsal for drama club, you want to be able to reach in your bag, and we, I mean, we can do it, it we've been doing this a, a long time, but many of our photographers can do it without even looking at the lenses of the camera. Swap a lens, I'm keeping my eyes up here, maybe I'm watching the sidelines so that I don't get beamed by a football player, which we're about to talk about, yep. uh, but blindly I can swap those lenses and go and I'm good, right? You can do that when you keep it in the family. Listen. Black Friday is coming up. Um, I'm serious, I'm totally serious. I, I just checked these prices last night. Um, if you're in the Canon family like Jed and I are, again, not one is any better than the other. The Canon T7i, which is the current Rebel series uh, uh, body, uh, is retailing with a kit for about $699 right now. The Canon T6, you can see by the price differential, like there's something going on there. It's uh, what, $200 less, $300 less, can't do math, coffee. Uh, there's fewer features, maybe fewer focusing points, uh, a slower uh, buffer on, uh, on frames per second, things like that. Do your research, and certainly we want you to uh, invest well in the body, but we're about to talk about lenses, about the glass. Those kit lenses are about as good as you can throw them. If you're dealing with uh, outside bright light, you know, if you got if all of your soccer games, all your football games are at noon on a Saturday, and you live in California, kit lenses, baby, you're good to go. Uh, how many of you have the main gym that sucks your soul out because there's no light in there? You are our people, right? Those kit lenses are terrible and you get, as I said on Thursday at our session, you get Jenny, the volleyball player, she goes up to spike the ball and you get like windmill arm from her because you're shooting ISO a million at like a 5.6 and the best shutter speed you can get is like a quarter of a second. Not really, but if you bump that ISO way, way, way up because you've got dark glass and dark lenses, uh, you won't get a great shot. So when you're shooting with those um, basic bodies, and I tell you what, I sent some brand new photographers out to shoot football games uh, about six, eight weeks ago with a Canon XS. So it's if you want to think that, 2004 time frame, and that body is still kicking along, and it doesn't have the frames per second rate that you'd get from that T6. It certainly doesn't have the ISO performance that you get from that T6, but it still works if you know where it works. Not gonna send them to a high school basketball game in a dark gym with that, because it's not gonna get us there, but they still work. The place where we want to then invest our money is in your lenses, okay? Buying new glass, buying better uh, and more appropriate lenses for the situations that you're shooting. Um, and for us, the two of us will preach it uh, for a long, long time. Uh, prime lenses are the place to invest. Once you've got a body that you're ready to go with, we want to start buying some prime lenses. Okay, we start with the Nifty 50, uh, 50 millimeter uh, lens, sometimes called the Plastic Fantastic. Okay, um, but that Nifty 50 lens will change your photography in a lot of ways. First. It offers you aperture performance that you cannot get out of the kit lens, and it does it at a very economical price. If we're looking at um, you know, Canon brand, we're looking at $125. Uh, Nikon, uh, depending on if you need the focusing motor or not, you might be up into the $200 price range. Um, but, and that's great pricing for a good lens. Uh, but if you go off-brand, um, Yongnuo, is uh, you can buy it through B&H Photo. I think you can find them on Amazon. Amazon. 
Uh, right now, right around $50. You get a 50 millimeter prime lens for your Canon uh, camera, and it's good quality. The other thing that's going to change when you go to this prime lens system is it's going to train you to become a better photographer because you are going to have to learn to position yourself in a place where you can capture that photo because you don't have that zoom. Okay? You can't just try to reach out and hit it from the bleachers. You've got to be down in place. You've got to be walking and moving. That's going to make you a better photographer. Okay, so pick one up. The Young Nuo series, uh, I would say, like, I don't care about your geopolitics. They're like ripoffs of the Canon glass that the company in China made, sells back to us. It's at literally a fraction of the price. <laughs> in the last two years, they've uh, broadened the, the range of lenses they provide. They've got a 35 uh, F2. They've got an 85 1.8. It's a gorgeous portrait lens. They've got a 100 millimeter F2. They're all primes. I will tell you a true story, funny story, but you know like when you get a new watch or you get your new phone, there's that plastic cover on it, like you gotta peel that off? I had this friend Rocco, uh, like, like my friend Jed here, he and I used to teach at camps all the time, and we would try to one-up each other. We'd get back together every summer, and it's like, you know, like, what'd you get? Oh, what'd you get? What'd your wife let you get? What'd your wife let you get, right? And so he's like, oh yeah, I got this new, like, Young Nuo's making lenses. And I was like, wait, what? I thought they only made flashes. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we started teaching, and we didn't get into it. A couple weeks later, uh, he texted me, and he's like, it's garbage, man. Like, the image quality is just terrible. Everything's fuzzy. And I'm like, oh, it finally like you know finally young Nuo sucks about two months later I get this text from it all caps with seven exclamation points it works it works and I was like what are you talking about he's like the lens I forgot to peel off the plastic so yeah so true story uh, you know pay attention to that uh, we're always going to preach and it's really there's not there's no other options that we really know of um, that Canon Nikon platform is certainly Sony Pentax some of the other especially if you are as Jed mentioned talking mirrorless but we want to get off of Canon and Nikon brands on really everything else, your flashes, your speed lights, which I'll talk about in a second, um, and your other lenses. We used to, in like dark alleyways, be like, hey, are you, are you shooting Sigma? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm shooting Sigma, but we're not gonna talk about it. Baby, we can talk about it now. The Sigma lenses have come out in force and on bench tests where they like line them up and they do stuff with lasers and optical eye charts and like you cover your eye and it's like epfq like the lenses are fantastic and the savings that you get can literally be thousands of dollars let's advance that this is your this is like the only one we're going to show because i've got a whole list of this stuff the 70 to 200 this is your sport lens if you're shooting your own sports this is really a must-have um, it'd be great to go out to like three or four hundred millimeters, but you're not shooting the Olympics and all of you advisors in the room, we know your budgets are limited. We get it. But do everything you can to go sell brownies or business ads or sell like the JV boys soccer team on eBay or something um, and make whatever money you can because you see down here in Sigma land, the price offsets make it worth it and you can save a ton of money. For sake of blowing right through this, this list, tinyurl.com slash one, two, three photo list. That's a list that I've curated for about the last six years. I will tell you, it's in need of a little bit of an update, but I've been uh, busy coaching my kids' Lego robotics team and we just advanced to the championship, so that's cool. Thank you. Uh, so I'm working on that, but there's more than enough knowledge there to uh, make you dangerous. It's also got contact information for Jed and me, and we welcome you to be in touch. Christmas bells are ringing, so let us know how we can serve you. Jed, let's talk about our trip to the zoo. So on Thursday, we, uh, we taught pre-conference session, eight hours with photographers. Uh, Thursday, we were working down in here. We uh, headed out, shot lunch stories, 
and then we walk down to the zoo. <clears throat> so if you've been to the zoo yet, right there at that front gate where they're setting up for the, the zoo lights, uh, 60 uh, high school kids piled around as we were talking about uh, dealing with light situations. Because light is always what we have to struggle with as photographers, and how am I going to manage the light in front of me? Okay, and we've got a lot of scenarios where the light is not going to be perfect for us, but we still need to start getting uh, photos. We still need to manage that. Uh, so we were looking at how we can manipulate light. Uh, we worked with, uh, these are some bounce reflectors, also known as windshield reflectors for inside of your car. So how many of you have seen those? You go to you know, Walmart, they've got them for five bucks, they pop out nice and shiny on one side. Okay, they're incredible bounce reflectors and just learning to manipulate light. Even if you are not a portrait photographer at this point, I highly recommend that you go through this process as a photographer. Learn about manipulating light like we were doing with these cheap reflectors and we'll show a little bit more into the next step. But the more you learn about how light works and how light impacts a photo, just you know, simple changes and small amounts of light make a huge difference. It's going to improve your photography regardless of what you're shooting because you understand light and that's what we're working with. We want to keep it cheap for you. The other thing you should do while you're at Walmart is visit the office supply aisle and get some of those sheets of foam board. Also the trifold science fair display things work really well as well. Certainly you can make the investment, uh, drop maybe 20 to 40 bucks online and you can get five in one reflectors. They twist out, pop out. They've got a core that's got a translucent diffuser. You need that cheap, seriously cheap. Get a hula hoop and a really cheap shower curtain from Walmart. And I'm not kidding at all. You put a couple of clips around that or some super glue and you've got a diffuser. You can hack all of this stuff for days and days. Um, keep that stuff in your lab. These, these actual uh, auto, I just packed these this morning. These have now been, I think, to nine conventions with me. I bought them for $5 like eight years ago um, and they're still going strong. This is our friend Noel. Um, the, I don't think the projector's doing this service. This is decent, not great. Um, there's not a lot of twinkle in her eye, but we had, it was getting, it was like kind of a developing overcast, but there was still some dappled light on her, um, which meant we had some bright spots and some dark spots on her face. So this is uh, Candace, uh, who in the previous shot was holding it high, just kind of cutting the light. Uh, yeah, take a look here. Yeah. Like we've got very limited definition down through her chin line, very limited definition through her facial structure. It just, it looks like a very flat photo because the light is very flat. And then we bounce and capture the light down uh, camera left and bring it back up into her. You can start, well, yeah, you can see we got a little twinkle in her eye, that catch light. We want that life in the eyes uh, for our portrait subjects. Just makes them look alive. Zombies are bad, right? So um, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a hack uh, on the cheap. On the not so cheap, uh, we want to get into speed light strobes. Uh, if the prime lenses can change your life, this is the place where if you can bring light to the party, this can take you even further. Couple notes, don't ever, don't ever use speed lights and strobes in the performing arts, please, all right? Unless it's a rehearsal situation and you've talked with the drama director already. Please be very mindful of the distraction that is flash if you're in an academic setting, classrooms and things like that. Uh, but if you slap one of these speed lights up on top of your, your hot shoe, that's that little puck, that little channel uh, up on top of your SLR, 
Um, magical, magical things can happen. We go back to our friends at Yongnuo. They have a suite of flashes. The median price is right about $100. They have some that swing, I think, as low as $71, some that are more like $130. But if you compare that to the Canon, this is the Canon 600RT, and it's up near about $500. So I can literally get three or four of these for the price of one uh, Canon uh, 600RT. And just to, just to prove a point, sorry, that was too soon. Uh, this is not going to win in the national media contest, but I'm so happy that I had this photo. This is from yearbook camp like eight years ago. I was shooting the opening ceremonies at Gettysburg Yearbook Experience for the camp directors, uh, pointing at, it was a ceiling like this, probably another 10 feet higher in this big uh, club ballroom at the student union, and my flash didn't go off. So this is what, and I, and I had my settings kind of dialed in, uh, that would be probably reflective of uh, a kit lens. So this, this would be kit lens, no flash, this is what things uh, would look like. But taking that flash and pointing it up at the ceiling, just, uh, I think it was about a half power burst. Again, not a national award winner, I get it. You're like, where's the subject of interest? Where, where's the, you know? I get it, don't, don't go there. I'm just saying, when you bring light to the party, everything changes. With my kids' books uh, two years ago, they were inspired by a series of portraits at Fast Company. Um, I can, I've got these online, I just realized I can give you guys a link to it if you need to afterwards, but uh, it was a series of gel lit portraits uh, of like the top 100 entrepreneurs under 30 or something like that. What you've got here, this is added gear, this is not one flash, but we've got um, a, a white light, uh, I think actually the, the strip box here is a white light, this soft box back here is a gel, and this one up here is a gel, but it's three lights through three different diffusers, two of them are gelled, this is a test shot for a series of 40 portraits they did, and our kids were able to put this together. I'm really proud of their work. It held the book together. <laughs> Jed's gonna talk extensively about portraits in about two minutes, and we want you to understand that strong portrait work with a plan and with a focus and with artistic intent can do great things to pull your publication together, whether it's a magazine, a yearbook, even newspaper or online. If you posted you know, a portrait like this a week at your online news site, it would give a longevity and a cohesiveness to your publication that we would really like to see. Just one more time, the list is tinyurl.com slash 123photolist. I do keep that updated annually uh, and the strobes are on it. Uh, but now, we gotta talk portraits. So, I'll change places. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Um, how many uh, of you guys are yearbook photographers? Okay. Ooh, we've got a lot of yearbook. Our people. Yeah. yeah. Where's our newspaper or news magazine? Okay. Mm. Where's our online only? Who's our online only? Cool. Okay. Any other like artistic photography, literary magazine, anything like that? There's people in the back. See you. Okay. Yep. You. We've got you. Okay, one of the things that is really a, a hot trend and something that I would like, love to see even more of and really pushing is the idea of quality portrait photography within our publications. I'm not talking about the mug shots in our yearbook where you've got each of the students. I'm not talking about going out necessarily and shooting all the senior portraits in a different way. Like, we're not changing the world there. But what we're talking about is uh, explaining personality and exploring personality and introducing people to our, our readership, to our audience. It's what we should be doing as student journalists. Okay, I think it's one of our, our core principles. And one of the ways that we can do that is through portraits. Now for a long time we talked about headshots and then environmental portraits. And I think we're ready to go further than that. Okay, um, some of our, like why we should be doing this. 
Okay? We want to be expanding coverage opportunities. If you can shoot a quality portrait or a quality headshot, run it in your uh, news mag with a quote, and it's just a, a shot and a quote, we've expanded coverage. We can do that within our yearbooks. We can be posting those online. You can run, you know, similar to the Humans of New York, you could be running you know, people of XYZ High School, and every couple of days you're just posting a new profile, including a portrait with it. Um, we want to drive that thematic coverage for our yearbook. Okay, uh, and a lot of you probably in yearbook world are starting to dig in on your tertiary and quaternary level coverage pieces right now, trying to figure out what are we gonna do that creates, like Mike said, that cohesive look throughout our publication. We wanna come up with something that's consistent. So uh, find that you know, magazine, uh, find that online inspiration. It's like, hey, this is a really cool way to shoot somebody, and then you know, figure out how we're gonna do that and do that consistently through our publication. I like to look at portraits in, as four different categories of portraits now. Okay? We've got the headshots or cutout type photos uh, that are just the standalone shot. Okay? You get into the environmental portrait, so this is taking us one step further, adding a little bit into that portrait that adds personality. Then we move into what I'm calling action portraits. Okay? That's a step beyond the environmental portrait. And then we'll uh, take a look at what's uh, a, kind of another growing trend around the artistic portraits. So if you take a look, here's what we're looking at with a headshot, cutout type thing. Um, simple tool, add some coverage. Uh, but what I ask you to do is get away from this idea of saying, oh, we didn't get a picture to go with this quote. We, somebody go find Jody, and we're going to get a picture of Jody. And so they run into the math class, and they say, Jody, we need you for a minute. Come here, stand up against this brick wall while I take your photo. No, don't do that. Let's be a little bit more creative. We get outside. These are a couple that were shot with reflectors outside. Okay, but those reflectors, they work inside of a hallway. You can bounce around fluorescent light in a hallway and make somebody look better. And just put them up to the side to the wall so that you're shooting down the hall and it's so much better. Um, determine a style for your publication and then stick with it. So here's from four different publications from last year, four different ways that they used headshots. You can see the homecoming court at the top and they just did it with a nice soft light gray backdrop. Um, down at the bottom left, uh, talking about pro sports teams and gathering quotes from those students with a black backdrop just to pull them off of that. Okay, We've got the cutouts down at the bottom right and that publication chose to do black and white just to make it pop separately off the page. And then we did some headshots like we've got up at the top, She Will Rise, and throughout that publication. They just had similar photos throughout. Okay. Then we get into the environmental portrait, okay? Environmental portrait, and this comes from Mike, and he, he says this, it's a person in their place with their stuff. It's a really easy okay? recipe. Just remember that. It becomes better storytelling than your headshot because now we're bringing in part of the story, we're bringing in personality, okay? We can tell a little bit more through that, um, and you wanna match that to your story angle, okay? And we've seen some really cool ones uh, that just bring in you know, multiple aspects of a person's life. You've got that you know, NHS, student government, and also plays lacrosse. And so we get that great photo you know, in the lacrosse jersey, you know, holding on to the books and the, the backpack and things like that. 
Um, but be prepared to go off-site with this. The stage manager leaning up against the pin rail out back, right, under under stage lights and things yep. like that. One note here, Jed and I are, you're gonna hear this later, are very big on safety. Do you know the story on that or all I don't. So we did a shot like that a couple of years ago, and I do believe in photo ethics, I get it, but we took, uh, our photographer took it on a tripod, took one photo without the bow loaded, uh, and one photo with the bow loaded, and we used a really long arm just to hit it because nobody should stand in front of a drawn bow. Um, depending My on guess would be just simple remote trigger. Yeah, that, and that too. Yep. Um, it, it, so you can get away with it as a photo. Obviously yep. with firearms and things, like we have a shooting sports club at our school, you need to be careful, and I've had kids ask their classmates to show them that the gun is unloaded before we engage with that photography. I'm not trying to be like dark or weird at all, but it's just basic safety. Yep. So. Uh, get into those environmental portraits. These are straight from some different areas. You know, be willing to go out and get into the places where people live their lives. Those are the stories that we should be telling, regardless of your publication. Then let's take it up one more notch. Let's go to the action portrait. We're now talking about a person in their place, with their stuff, doing their thing. Okay? These are great. Like. You know, your athletes, let's get them onto that empty practice field and let's get that intentional portrait of them doing their thing, okay? This is not the same as just going out and shooting an action shot, okay? Totally different. The action portrait is planned, posed, and intentional, okay? The action photo is in the middle of the game and you cannot plan or script it. The action portrait is planned and scripted, but we've got several of these on here. And then think about the story that that tells within your publication, okay? Just don't go out and do the action portrait and then stick it onto your sports page and claim that it's sports action, okay? We wanna be honest with our journalism. We're gonna caption it appropriately, but these are a great way to show, you know, within your high school, the things that people do. Okay, and this projector is not doing a good job with this one. This looked great within the, the uh, this one's the Longmont, right? Yes, you have yep. the long shutter yep, speed. Yep, yep. Um, this one within the Longmont uh, high school yearbook. This is a great story to tell about this student that is doing metalworking, okay? And it brings so much more to that story. Yesterday when we were, at, if you guys were at the photo critique, uh, one of the young ladies uh, on stage right talked about developing a relationship with the subject. It was about issue, uh, addressing, some of you guys were there, um, uh, coverage of mental health issues and things like that. How do you, if you're gonna get a kid on the record about mental health struggles and then pop up and like, oh, by the way, we need a picture of you for our publication. That can be a tender conversation. And you know, you want to invest the time in developing a relationship. This stuff cannot be done as a drive-by photo. It requires, and I just want to reiterate this, Jed already said it, that intentionality, that planned purpose, you've got to say things like, can the, the shot of the kid on the side of the pool, we can't go into our pool area without a lifeguard present. Thankfully, I've got two on my staff, so we're in there all the time, right? But it's just, you, you gotta think, like, okay, so we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, but he won all these championship medals and then he shows up for the photo and you realize your photographer never told him to bring in all the medals from home, things like that. So think about your structure, your plan, and recognize that you can't quick turn these in five minutes. It might take five days to put it all together. All right, all right, okay. coffee spill. Yeah, and when we look at this one, think about it. The lights in this classroom had to be off or at least dim. And that's not safe for during class type of work. So we wanna make sure that we plan ahead 
But if you've got these types of things in mind, or if you're thinking now, especially those yearbook people, wow, this could really drive some of our thematic coverage, whether it's huge on your dividers and your thematic pages, or it's small down in that tertiary, quaternary, all book coverage device type levels, this can really drive storytelling. 25. Yep. Last area to talk about is these artistic portraits. Okay, and we're starting to see a rise in these. These are popping up in literary magazines especially, but I think they belong across all of our publications. Okay, these are um, more artistic than journalistic and we've gotta make sure that we honor that within our publication. We document it that way, caption it that way. Um, these are where you start getting the high levels of post-processing, maybe purchasing specialized equipment, things like that, but this is where we're working with uh, you know, some different areas around light, uh, putting people into makeup and really enhancing the scene and things like that. But think about the stories that you can tell through that artistic photography piece. Topic number four. When we got into the judging, um, on, we, we both critique for the National Student Media Contests. Uh, one of the, I think broadly one of the disappointments um, in the contest this year was the lack of narrative in some of the photo stories. We want to encourage you collectively to up your game. Um, among the things that we're seeing is somebody doing what feels like a drive-by where they come into a space uh, and just park there maybe at the back of the room and all they do is maybe turn and they're like, okay, here's my first shot, here's my second shot, here's my third shot, here's my fourth shot, and I'm out. That does not a photo story make. We've got to be getting on our knees and up on a chair and switching lenses thinking about, again, the intentionality of our planning, maybe reaching out to a teacher ahead of time. We've got to think as you're developing these stories, are you thinking chronologically, descriptively, or are you working with differing perspectives? If chronologically, think about that beginning, middle, end pulse through the story. What's the plot of that, and how do we convey that story visually? Two, I'm going to perch on one thing uh, that we really didn't see, which is that establishing shot. Like if you're showing a story, y'all made us feel good. When people came in and sat on the floor and then these guys sat on the floor, we're like, wow, people actually want to hear what we have to say. That's cool. Thanks for that. Glad that you're here. But if you're covering this story right now as it's happening and all you've got is our chrome domes up here glaring in the projector and that's your photo and you miss the story of all of the people here assembled, that context shot, we need to see that in your stories. So one of the ways that um, I preach to my students and when I go out to these things is shoot your story at five levels, okay? You wanna shoot, and we're looking descriptively, you wanna shoot the scene, okay? You wanna get that establishing shot. For this scene, that might be from that back door wide angle so you see all of the heads building up. Or even better, you'd be shooting it from up here so that, yeah, you might get the top of us, but we're not important to that. It's getting all of this as part of that. So always shoot the scene. Next most important thing within a story, we gotta have characters, okay? We've gotta know who are the characters involved in your situation, okay? So I wanna see always from my photographers, I wanna see at least one person head to toe, okay? From above their head to below their feet. It gives us so many opportunities within publications what we do with it. But always capture characters, capture actions and reactions. Okay, we consistently see in national media contests, people are getting great action photography. We're awesome at it, keep it up, okay? But let's start getting reaction photography. Let's keep shooting after the whistle, after the bell, after the end, okay, keep shooting, and then uh, capture some details. I'll jump in and just here's a few different publications. How awesome is this from, I believe this Brighton High School. No, that's Kerry. Oh, it's, uh, Smoky Hill, I'm sorry. Where we see that wide establishing shot, that scene, you see that whole crowd, 
but then you get into some of those details, you see some of the actions, but we also have that reaction, top left, you've got the crowd cheering, okay? So make sure we're capturing all of those things. Make sure you're capturing things and then using them at a variety of levels and perspectives, okay? Make sure we're capturing all the way into the details, okay? And sometimes you run that detail shot big, Sometimes it's your establishing shot, but let's make sure you're going out. And this works not just for your book. This goes for your news publications. I know if you're print news, you can't always put all of those photos into your publication. Go online, hosted in photo galleries, things like that. But make sure you're telling us a story. Beginning, middle, end, scene, character, action, reaction, details. Now, one of the things that we talked about with the, the portraits and the story of my kids in Fast Company is where do we go on inspiration finding, going you know, cool hunting, as it were. When we're looking at thematic design, when we're looking at how we package photos, great typography, things like that, my kids are diving into professional media all the time. Fast Company, Afar, Escapism, Sports Illustrated, uh, ESPN the magazine, Wired is huge, Popular Mechanics, Runner's World, uh, Men's Health, Esquire, Golf Digest. There's so many places to go for great design. There are also phenomenal places to go for inspiration. Go ahead and get it going there. Um, yeah, just run the whole thing, it's fine, yeah. Google is your friend, uh, especially when it comes to techniques. If you can, uh, if you hear us say uh, off-camera lighting, off-camera lighting is something that I'm hugely passionate about. I love toys, I love tools. This presentation is not about off-camera lighting. Jot it down right now, off-camera lighting, go home, search it, find a tutorial, find some uh, YouTube channel that's got you know a thousand videos on it with some, you know you watch two and you're like, I like his style, I like how that person presents, I like how she uh, approaches the instruction, I could learn from her. Then go learn from her, take a deep dive and find those resources yourself. Digital Photography School or DPS, uh, for you advisors in the room, Jed and I have a lot of friends whom we admire and love dearly, who are English majors, turned into teachers, who have zero photographic background, and when they arrived at their schools, the principal was like, hey, new person, fresh meat, you're advising your book. And they're like, okay, that's that you, yeah, front row, right? And, and she's like, okay, whatever you say, because we like our jobs, right? With all due respect, a lot of those advisors, I mean, let's do this this way, maybe your advisors in the room, this could be careful, how many of you know more about photography than your advisors? Be honest, all right? Thank you. Now, go forth and make disciples of all of the students on your staff uh, and teach them. No, seriously, I said this yesterday at the, at the uh, critique, and we see it a lot. Like, people covet the knowledge, right? Like, it's, it's cool to be, and it's nice to have the stroke to be like, oh, like, I, I can go into a room and touch a projector, and it suddenly works. And people are like, I don't know how you did that. Thank you so much. I'm like, no problem. It's what I do. Right, feels good, right? So on your staffs, if you've got a staff of 30 kids and only two photographers, you're, you're doing, doing it wrong. wrong. All right, <laughs> they all looked up. Yeah. We've done this a while, right? Yeah. You need to not hold that like, I, I get to know what aperture is. I get to know how to take the lenses off. That's not fair, that's not right, all right? The best sign of great leadership is creating more leaders, not keeping the followers down. So please go teach, Digital Photography School can get you there. Zach, Scott, Kristen Kalk, Chase, Frono's photo, it's exactly what it sounds like, go watch his YouTube channel. Great places for you to like get lens recommendations. Here's what's hot, here's what's happening. Here's five ways to think about this. Here's how to approach off-camera lighting. There's so much out there. You can follow hashtags on Instagram. I'm 41, I'm bald, I have four children and a mortgage. I didn't know you could follow hashtags on Instagram. I learned, literally learned that last week. I also don't even know how to spell Snapchat. Uh, so I, I, I did one for my Lego robotics team and now I'm getting all of this content and Instagram 
Facebook, you're feeding the machine, do with that what you will, thanks Zuckerberg, but when you search stuff on Instagram and then hit some likes, it starts serving you up more of that stuff. It's how the machine works. So if you're doing, again, off-camera lighting, strobist, S-T-R-O-B-I-S-T, down here is a great hashtag to follow. If you wanna learn about that gel portrait thing we did, that's all strobist techniques. Um, David Hobby, for years, ran strobist.com. He's got a whole lighting 101, 102, 103 series that are absolutely the place to go to learn about off-camera lighting from soup to nuts, the whole way through A to Z. It's absolutely incredible. It's where I learned all my stuff. The site is not updated anymore, but everything is archived there. And if you've got that kid on your staff, if you are that kid on your staff, they can just plug in and click and learn and click and learn. It's a phenomenal resource. It will help you elevate your staff. Find that inspiration, find the person that speaks to you and take a deep dive. Figure out what you want to specialize in. If you want to start getting better at sports photography, football photography, that's fine. Look through Sports Illustrated until you find that one awesome shot, find that photographer, follow that photographer, follow who that photographer follows, okay? You're going to become a better photographer if you read more photography, okay? If you just spend more time looking at great photos, putting great photos into your head, you get better at capturing those great photos because you know what it looks like before it happens. And then as soon as it's happening on the field, you're in the right place and you're capturing the image. Okay, so find that professional, follow them, follow who they follow, and, and that's and, gonna help you and out. follow their hashtags. Right. Because they'll, they, if they're doing it right and they're a good social media content creator, you can chase that rabbit hole yep. all the way through. This will be our last, uh, oh, second to last. I'll second do this to last, yeah. Creative Commons. So Creative Commons, this is uh, something that my kids embraced uh, fully uh, starting like f actually four books ago. Um, you can't, this is for us for politics coverage, and two, if you're not covering politics or current events, if you're not, in my opinion, covering climate change or, um, or Visco Girls or any of the rest of yeah, I see you, I see you, all right? Uh, all of these, all of these topics, but again, our, our end point was, uh, was, was politics. Um, then you've got to ask the question, like, how do we get pictures of Pete Buttigieg if the closest uh, rally is two hours away and we just can't make that happen. The Creative Commons came on the scene circa 2001 or so, I think. Creativecommons.org if you want to learn more, but simply this, it is copyright free work that's licensed by the content creator. Typically, like the kind of the baseline is, I made this, you may use this as long as you credit me. That's the, that's the relationship. Um, there's six different levels of license. Educate yourselves, do it the right way, but it's a great way for you to get content uh, that you need if you can't shoot it yourselves. I'm gonna show you, uh, if you click through, this is a spread from our book a couple of uh, books ago. Um, uh, President Trump and Secretary Clinton, both of those are Creative Commons images shot by Gage Skidmore. Gage Skidmore uh, is an Arizona-based uh, Arizona -based, uh, college student who went all over the American Southwest to rallies uh, in that election cycle and captured everybody and, and put them up freely available for people to use. So we did this right, we cited it the right way. At Flickr, if you go into the search bar, um, you, it's a, a magnifying glass up there, just type whatever just to get to this stage. But here on license, click on all creative commons and when I searched for Pete Buttigieg last night, this is what I got. I like his, I like his graphic design. I don't, I'm not sure he's my guy, but I just went there. He's got great graphic design. But all of these are freely available for you to use. You could throw this one in Photoshop as a cutout. It's almost cut out already. Toss it in your spread, uh, credit the content creator, and you are good to go. You can do this sometimes, limited extent, with celebrities, uh, sports teams, things like that. As long as it's on the commons and it's what's called an attribution license, you're good to go.
Okay. Let's do it the right way. Last topic we want to talk about just briefly is to go out as a photographer and shoot safely. Okay. There's been some uh, issues this fall. Some tragedies. Uh, some tra one definite tragedy um, with photographers not shooting safely. So a couple of tips for you around shooting safely. First, always be aware of your surroundings. Okay? Don't be putting yourself into situations that are not safe situations. Okay? Whether that's going to shoot uh, your, you want to do those environmental portraits, don't be heading down dark alleys in cities that you're not familiar with and things like that. Always just be aware of your surroundings. Don't fall off okay? a stage. Right. Something as simple Pay as that. To this. Wait, I got to get back for Beauty and the Beast and then, then you're like sitting in a tuba in the pit. Yeah. Not Boom, good. There you go. Um, keep track of your equipment. This is my camera bag. It does not look like a camera bag. It looks like a sports backpack, okay? And I love it because nobody's gonna wanna steal this that's loaded up with my stinky shoes, right? But inside of this pouch, I spent five bucks and bought a padded case that is designed to build your own camera bag. And I've got my camera safely locked into this padded bag and it doesn't look like a camera bag. So when I set it down here and I'm right here shooting, it's not as tempting to grab it. But then keep track of all of your equipment. You know, label it, put names on it, whatever, but keep track of that. Um, One foot down. Yep. Yeah, so we have an agreement with our athletic director. Um, we get really nice access for our sports, but the one thing that they've asked us to do is never sit all the way down nor never lay all the way down. And I'm like, no, like get down, get anti-view and stuff like that. Um, but we have, and it sounds like a weird thing to have a policy about, but we have to have one foot, flat foot, all the time down on the ground. And it really, and Jed can like ably demonstrate this, but like if somebody's scrambling for the ball at the baseline in basketball and they're coming toward him, he can just stand up and get out of the way. It's that simple, all right? As soon as you put that second knee down, you are stationary, you are no longer mobile, okay? And even if you are doing it right, there are dangers out there. Okay, uh, young lady photographer last week, uh, Georgia versus yeah. Auburn, uh, got run over by a running back, okay? And when you're a photographer in no pads, I don't care, man, woman, what size you are, and you have a running back and a defensive player all padded up and they run you over, it's gonna do damage. Four days okay? in the hospital for her. Yeah. We had on our sidelines a, a soccer mom that had an all access pass. I don't believe she was doing anything wrong um, this might not work for all of you. I'm, I'm right eye dominant, so I shoot with my right eye. But when I shoot, I actually keep my left eye open a lot, especially on sports. And especially if those sports are from 12 o'clock to nine o'clock on me, I can track the players as they're coming down. If I'm not panning with them already, try it, might work for you. But she caught a soccer ball at the end of a 70 to 200 millimeter lens, and it shoved her camera back into her face and knocked out her two front teeth. Uh, and she went to the hospital with that one. Again, no blame. I don't think she was doing anything wrong. So have an escape route. Have a way that you know, I'm here on the basketball court, I'm down low underneath the, the lane, and I'm gonna be shooting. Don't let other photographers crowd into that space, okay? Always have an escape route, always know your escape route so that you are one or two steps from getting out of the way. Um, and then last, shoot with a second. And what I mean by that is shoot with a second photographer or a second person who is not sticking their face into a camera at the time. Okay, somebody who can pay attention to your surroundings. When I send students, especially their first couple of football games, I force them to go in teams, and one of them is down on one knee and shooting, and the other one is standing behind them, hands on shoulders, ready to help move them out of the way. And their job is just to watch for any players 
or referees, uh, those are the ones that are going to get you during basketball. It's not the players, but the referees are watching the game. They'll run that sideline and they'll knock you over. It's not safe for you, not safe for them. And unfortunately, we think maybe uh, we weren't there, but maybe a second could have actually saved a life. I think it was in Oregon about two weeks ago. Uh, how many of you are shooting senior portraits for friends and classmates? Okay. I, I almost literally want you to raise your right hand and like do a repeat after me. Never, ever, 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 ever shoot on railroad tracks. And in Oregon, two weeks ago, a girl, I think it was the, the student, not the photographer, was literally run over by a train and killed because they were so focused on what was happening. And you th I know all of you are thinking like, how could you miss a train, man? But it is not the first time that it's happened. Uh, it's actually illegal to do uh, on active railroad tracks. There are times when it says RR with the X and it says exempt. Those railroad tracks are shut down. You're better there, but please don't do it. Don't risk it. And perhaps if they had had a second shooter, even a mom or a dad being attentive to just like, yeah, I always bring somebody along just carrying my stuff, right? They could have said, holy crap, there's a train coming. Get on out of the way. Now we do have just a few minutes and moments. We could probably take like a question or two. Unfortunately, I've at least got another presentation. I've got to bang out to uh, immediately. Um, but before we break and it gets loud and we do have five minutes, can we entertain a question or two for you no is okay but go ahead uh mirrorless versus mirror and dust specs are there fewer because i'm so sick of so when you take off the lens yeah, dust is yeah. still going to get in okay. um think about we train our photographers obviously you don't want to be changing lenses in open rain or dusty fields and things like that i don't have any good data on it but guys come on up we'll do it that way guys thank you so much be well enjoy the rest of the convention you've got questions come, and come see on it. up please well, that'll do it for now, friends. Remember that you can be in touch at any time at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. The photo equipment list that I referenced in that presentation a few times is at tinyurl.com slash 123photolist. I'll add that to the show notes. Find the podcast on Twitter at, at yearbookwise. If you're not already a member, join up with JEA. They're the best of the best. It's jea.org. I promise you, you won't regret it. And I do hope to see you in the future at the Columbia Scholastic Press Association's Spring Convention in March and also at Nashville when we're at Opryland. That'll be later in April for the spring edition of the National High School Journalism Convention. For now, though, friends, be well. Good luck. We'll talk soon.